Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to our series on miracles. We're in our final couple of weeks together in this series. I want to look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, also all of those of you that are joining us online. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in this week. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John 11. We're going to be looking at a section of John 11. We are going to see a miracle this week that is just, it just blows your mind. I mean, all of them are, are, are things that are just outside the realm of the norm. This one just takes the cake. It's just over the top in what Jesus does in this miracle, and I can't wait for us to study it and, and share it together. I, I do wanna make one announcement, one specific announcement. I wanna say it to everyone watching online or wherever you are, that we're having a special interest meeting Next weekend, it's going to be next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service here at the Keller campus. Uh, we're calling it an Argyle interest meeting. And some of you are saying, what is the interest in Argyle? Well, maybe somebody's watching from that region now, but we have had uh, God just doing stuff in that area. And you, you need to know that for us as a leadership team, most of the time, there's sometimes where it's like the Holy Spirit says, just do this or go here. But most of the time, uh, we live by the principle of just be loving people, serving people, reaching the lost, making disciples, and, and join God where he's moving. We, we just want to join him. And so we have had God doing some significant things in this area. We've had sometimes 80 to 100 students coming and, and at one time carpooling from uh, a couple of homes. And so we started seeing, by the way, this is how our Hazlitt campus that has 1,000 people in it now, it all started with a bunch of students coming over here for youth nights. And so we've had that happen. We also had a church that closed down approached us. We have a building in North Argyle now. Uh, so we have just, God's just been doing stuff. So what we're doing is we're asking people, we also know a lot of people watch from those areas and, uh, and we just wanna just invite some people together. We wanna see who shows up. We wanna talk and just see where God is moving. There's a QR code there for you. It'll be in meeting room one here at the Keller campus. So I hope if you're at any level, you say, what am I committing to? Nothing. You're committing to nothing. You're just coming and talking and seeing what God is up to, all right? So we'd love to have you there at that interest meeting. Well, this week's miracle, it actually is connected to the shortest verse in the Bible. The shortest verse in the Bible, the one that when you're doing your memory verses as a kid, you wanna be assigned this one. Jesus wept. A lot of people know that's in the Bible. They go, oh yeah, Jesus wept. But a lot of people don't know why he was crying. Why, why would Jesus be crying? In fact, you're just kinda of like, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I, Jesus cried, you know, I don't. I don't know if, I don't wanna do a show of hands, but how many of you say, well, I'm kind of a crier? Others of you be like, I don't cry, not me. 
I kind of grew up with that kind of philosophy, you know, rub some dirt on it. One of my dad's favorite sayings, I'll give you something to cry about. Anybody raised in that house, don't make me give you something to cry about. <laughs> Not today. Oh, poor baby, here's a trophy. My dad, boy, just get up. In fact, I think it transferred to me. Hannah, my oldest now, uh, she, when she was, you know, I don't know what she was, probably seventh, eighth grade, she was on her scooter in the front of the house and there was some boys in the yard over there and she was trying to show off and she jumped her scooter and fell on her arm. She came and she's like, oh, I'm like, rub some dirt on it. Don't make me give you something to cry about. My mom, her mom said, we need to take her to the hospital. I said, I had to be fine. So we just kind of laid her on the couch. I was like, put some ice on it. She's just all night, there she was with her arm. The next day, her mom took her to the doctor. It was broke. I felt like a loser dad. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's like, my daughter had a broke arm and I told her to get over it. <laughs> That's a big, big highlight of my parenting journey. But Jesus is not crying because of a broken arm. Jesus is not just, again, a sappy movie or just a, he's crying because his friends are in grief. They're grieving the loss of one of his friends. And I've always thought about this passage and it's moving to me that it shows though Jesus is God, Jesus is other, Jesus is holy, but Jesus came as one of us and I'm so thankful we don't worship a mute statue, a theory of our imagination, but Jesus is so real that he had friends that he would cry over. I have to tell you, I, I look tough. I'm, I'm really a teddy bear. I mean, when my friends are hurting or people are hurting or God does something in people's lives, I'll, I'll very often even get emotional here. You know, you can, you can act like, man, I got it together, but when you love very deeply, it affects you emotionally. So Jesus is weeping over their grief and these friends and the people on the scene, we're gonna go there in a minute, they, they are struggling with some of the same things we struggle with. Where are you, Jesus? When are you gonna show up? Do you love me? Do you care about me? In fact, when we're questioning the situation and scenario we're going through, we, we begin to go to this feeling, he, he, he doesn't, know what I'm going through, I, I can't access him, I, I can't get to him. They had some of these same struggles, and so I want us to look at the miracle that happened with Lazarus, watch it with me. standing here on the Mount of Olives overlooking Bethany. It's in Bethany and recorded in John chapter 11 where one of Jesus, quite honestly, most mind-blowing miracles actually occurred. You see, there in Bethany, there were his friends. In fact, Jesus would do a lot of ministry around the region of Bethany. You can see in the distance there, the Dead Sea and his friends, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, they were there. 
He's not there. He's somewhere in the region and he gets word from Mary and Martha that Lazarus is sick. He doesn't go immediately. He waits a few days. And in fact, his disciples don't really want him to go back to Bethany because the last time he was there, they tried to stone him and to kill him. He, he says to his disciples at, after some time that Lazarus is, is actually dead and we're gonna go back to Bethany. Thomas actually says, you know, Thomas, the one who had some doubt, he's like, well, we'll just go back there and we'll die too. But when Jesus gets there to Lazarus, he's actually been in the tomb for four days. And Mary and Martha actually say to him, if you'd been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus actually says something that really defines who he is and what he would do. He says, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. Here in John 11, when you really unpack the story of what's happening, there's, there's some aspects here of this miracle because of its importance, its timing that I'd like us to look at. A few aspects. You see, this moment when Jesus goes there to Lazarus's tomb, and I'm gonna read to you in a minute what takes place. When he goes there and he performs this miracle, it would accelerate the timeline of his death and his burial and his own resurrection. And so let's go to the text and see what happens in this miracle. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. One of the aspects of this miracle though that always really moves me is John makes it of most importance to tell us before Jesus ever gets there and the pain and the suffering, he, he, he makes us aware again in John 11 that Jesus loves Mary and Martha. And I think that's important for all of us because when we don't receive from God what we think we should receive, we sometimes can question his love for us. And John is making the point that he loved them deeply. He did, they were his friends. In fact, that's one of the aspects that I love of John 11:35 this short verse that a lot of people may even know, Jesus wept, but they don't know why he was crying. Well, he was crying because he knew he was going to heal Lazarus, but he could feel the pain of his friends. And I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to worship a Jesus who's not a figment of our imagination or a statue or a concept, but one who had friends enough that he would cry for them, cry with them. And it, it brings us into the humanity of Jesus that makes us want to love him more. But the most important thing about this miracle is that it signifies Jesus' resurrection power that he would raise from the dead. And it shows us that he doesn't come just to make 
good people better or just to have some kind of external fix or some kind of religious thing for our lives. But Jesus came proclaiming he brings dead things back to life. He brings dead people who are dead in their sin back to life. I'd like to take a few moments for us to think about this miracle and think a little bit more deeply about those aspects of it in our lives. As I was preparing the series and then as we were shooting the videos and then reading back over these miracles and then even more so as I've been preaching on this and sharing it with you, I've seen some common denominators in the miracles of Jesus that have just made me more aware that Jesus knows where we are. And we so many times feel like the Bible is so disconnected. A lot of people don't engage with it because they feel like it's just like so disconnected from their everyday life. Yet when you actually read it, when you actually look at the stories, it's very close, this message in life of Jesus to us. There's a few common things that I see. First of all, a lot of these miracles involve waiting. (laughs) I know we're not good at that. And it's even more so when you're waiting for a miracle or you're waiting for God to move or you're waiting on something you've been praying about and there's waiting in this. Where's Jesus? Where's he at? And so we know that he's always on time but he's never early but each one of these miracles involve this challenge we have where we're waiting on God. The next thing is desperation. All of these miracles, including this one that we've been studying, continually remind us that really at the end of the day, we feel like we have it, we've got it, we'll make it, we'll push through, but it shows us the frailty of humanity. It shows that we are really needy people in need of a God, in need of someone greater than us. And they bring us into people's desperation and challenges and their need for God. This one includes what several of them include, but even at a higher level, and that is grief. They're they're grieving the loss of this friend. They're grieving the loss of this brother. And the world we live in today, as we face grief, how do we approach it? So many people today, you know, again, they kind of still think of everything from a Uh, some kind of just physical standpoint or maybe even a religious standpoint, but one of the fundamental truths for the follower of Jesus is we have hope in grief. We we have hope. We, We really do not believe that everything we touch and is tangible around us is where life really is, but that we were created as spiritual beings, that we will live eternally, that we have hope outside of what we see and touch. And and I know as a pastor for many years, walking people through this, spending time in ICUs and hospitals and doing funerals, I, I want you to know the Bible says we as followers of Jesus, and this story points to it, we do not grieve as the world grieves. We we don't see life as this is all there is. In fact, we see it. It's hard for us today with all the things we have around us and and, and the things we've built around our lives, but we actually believe what is true that. This is all just a vapor. 
This is just a, 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 a plant, a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's not the anchor of our lives. 50 years ago, there was a model given for grief. It's been used for about 50 years that there's a process for people in stages of grief. The first one is denial. This isn't happening to me. I don't accept this. There's anger that comes. Someone maybe to blame or why did it happen? We love as human beings to ask why. Why is this happening to me? Why? Then there's a bargaining of trying to fix it and then there's depression that you begin to be overwhelmed by sorrow. The truth is that grief is, is kind of like the ocean. It comes in waves. Sometimes the waves are bigger, sometimes the waves are smaller. And then the truth is that every person who's being counseled through the grief process is getting to a place of acceptance. What is that? What is acceptance? How do you get to a place where you can sort out your world? And I'm talking about the loss of a loved one. I've experienced it. In fact, I found that you recycle these stages. That, that there can be a Father's Day since I've lost my dad, who was my hero. There can be a Father's Day and I can greet one person in the commons who's lost and it comes back, the wave comes back. Some of you have lost even greater losses than that. But what do we do as followers of Jesus with this grief problem? And I'm not just talking about even the loss of a loved one, but just loss in general. It didn't work out like I thought. The death of a marriage, the death of some area of your life. Like what do you do when you're seeing something that has died and you're working through that grief? Well, I wanna take you through the fundamentals of the follower of Jesus. Because of this story and who Jesus is, how do we really apply it to our lives? I wanna talk about what is available to you in Christ. Because of this miracle of Jesus, he, he, he blows himself out of the categories of where people wanna box him. In Jesus' day, there were those who denied him, there were those who maybe were intrigued by him, there were people ready to kill him, but, but a lot of people, and still today, saw him as a good figure and a moral teacher who brings good moral principles to our lives. Well, mere moral teachers don't raise the dead. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, 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 you're not putting me in that category. Oh, yes, I teach, but I am not summed up just by my principles, I want you to know I am one who has great power. In fact, power enough to raise the dead. And that's at the essence of the good news of the message of Jesus. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. We don't see our world the same way. We have, we have a whole different understanding because of who Jesus is. And I wanna take you through a few thoughts, but every time I, I go to a basic level of the message of Christ, I'm reminded of a few years ago when I talked about death and life and Jesus and hope and, and, and really come against the contradictory sort of moral message of our world today. Because the religion of our world today is just the moral things of Jesus without understanding the power that Jesus brings into our lives. 
And, and I remember articulating that, and then after one of the services, there was a guy, I don't know, late 50s, he, he'd been emotional through the service, I could tell, and he just came up to me, and he said, thank you. I was like, thank you for what? I, I've never met you, hi, I'm Jeff, I'm this, as we start connecting. He said, thank you for explaining to me who Jesus was because I've been around all this for so long, but no one's ever told me that's what it is. See, there's great potential to hang around Jesus, but not really know what Jesus brings into your life. I want to give you three things that I take from this story that I believe are steps that are available for all of us. First of all, and how do we relate to Jesus based on what he did with Lazarus? First of all, Jesus brings dead people back to life. That's what really, when we talk about being saved, that has all kinds of connotations, right? People are like, are you saying saved? You know, like, just make sure I don't get to hell, like saved from hell, like, is that like a brand? Is that like I'm joining a religion? No, 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 you're saved from death. You're saved from death. We will all live forever, forever. but there's a life available that doesn't just start when you die. There's a life that now comes into your life when you receive Jesus. And we begin this eternal journey that we no longer are bound into the forces of natural humanity, but we possess a spiritual, supernatural, eternal connection with the God who created us. Jesus didn't come. I think so many people get around today and we do better at putting on church and, and people get around and it's like those are good principles and five ways to be a better parent and six ways to do this. And, and you could easily think that this is just sort of some kind of mental seminar. That it's just some way to like add something. I, I wanna make sure you get me on this. You don't add Jesus. You don't just add Jesus to your, I, I see, you know, athletes, you know, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Then the next sentence is all these things contradictory to what Jesus would have them say. Like, you, you don't get to live like a heathen and then hold up John 3, 16 when you need a touchdown. That, that's not, Jesus doesn't add. <laughs> you don't sprinkle Jesus on what you want. The Bible says this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Dead, not kind of bad. Not sort of missing the standard. Not a good person who has a few hidden flaws. Dead in transgressions. So see, dead people can't walk the right direction. Dead people can't do, oh, good things. No, dead people need a Jesus who can resurrect them from the dead. That's what salvation is. Salvation is you accepting Christ into your life. There's words like being born again. Like, what does born again mean? It, it means that you were dead, but you were born to a new life when you surrender your life to Jesus. You're translated from darkness, not kind of dark, totally dark, into the light. Dark to light, dead to life. It's a transformation. And I think, again, a lot of times people can be like, well, I'm just gonna add a little Jesus and wonder why there's no change. 
When you come to the place where you go, Jesus, you can have all of me. You can have every bit of me. I am dead. I have no life without you. Even the good things I experience are ultimately not able to be experienced for eternity without you. And what happens is he comes into your life and you become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And so then you take that message, that power. I'm still enamored by Jesus's ability to save dead people and bring them back to life. I've always loved the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I I still just get moved. I'm amazed by it, you know? I like to fish. You know what I found about myself? If I catch one, I just wanna catch one more. Put it in your world. If you close a deal, you just wanna close another one, don't you? Whatever it is you like. If you get a deal, my, my daughters, we found a deal, we found a sale. I'm like, everything's on sale, but anyway. Whatever you like, What I found is if it's good, you just want some more of it. Well, one thing I found in my life that I just want more of is Jesus taking dead people, transforming them to become new creations. And over the last few years, I've I've just had an accelerated passion for watching people come to Christ. And And it goes back even to my roots. See, I grew up in a church where every week, every week, not Oh, okay, I hope you enjoyed it, and here's seven ways to help your life. It was preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, sing about the old rugged cross. If no one go with me, I still will follow. The pastor would stand down at the front. They'd sing 17,000 verses of just as, just as I am. And, and just, you had to like, in front of everybody, come down and grab his hand. And I don't know that everybody got saved. Some people just came because they felt sorry for the brother because he'd been standing there for a lot of courses. And somebody would maybe send a token person so we could go beat the Methodist to get some chicken. <laughs> but you would get born again. And then there would be a person on the front row who would take your information. And then you would then get signed up and prepared for, and there were people who had a special ministry to help people who had gotten saved, and those people would show up to church, and, 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 and we didn't have like cool, cool black t-shirts like we do now. I mean, you had your clothes, and the pastor would get up in the baptistries back then. See, we got a screen now. I like our baptistry, but, but we, we, we used to have them like, I mean, it was like the Garden of Eden was up in there, right? And the pastor would come down with a big white robe, and, and you're like, what, what, why are you telling us this? I'm going somewhere. And would bring, you would come and, and there was a moment there. It was absolutely the highlight thing of anything we did is you would get baptized. Why do we put people in the water and baptize them? Why would we do that? If you think about it, it's a little bit odd. For people in perfect clothes to get in a tank with a guy with a robe, we don't wear those anymore, but... We did have Pastor Pat here a few weeks ago had his glasses on, he had foggy glasses. We'll all probably show you that video at some point, but anyway. And, and you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, put them under the water. If you think about it, it's kind of a crazy tradition. Why, why would we take people and dunk them under the water? Jesus was baptized, he told us, Here's what I want you to go and do, not just have services. Go and preach this message of the gospel. Go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus told us to be about. 
And over the last several years, I've even seen with the world we live in today, everybody wants to get into something other than that. But Jesus is still in the business of taking people who were dead and bringing them back to life. And it changes their family. It changes their heritage. And guess what? It changes your eternal future. Because we are all going to die. We're all gonna pass from this life, but there's only one who lives forever. It's the one who's been resurrected by the power of Jesus Christ. So I grew up in that church. I'm thank God for it. We put people under till they bubble, raise them up saying tithe and together we build in Jesus' name. <laughs> if you didn't say it, we hold you under. Blah, 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 blah. I'm gonna tell you what I wish we would have talked about more is the second thing in this story. We talked a lot about being saved by faith, but we didn't get enough, in my opinion, of how to live by faith. See, the righteous are not just going to heaven. Thank God for going to heaven because the alternative is not good. Thank God for eternal life that starts at the moment I meet Jesus. Thank God for him translating people from darkness to light, but this story's not just about getting saved. This story is also that Jesus gives us power in our everyday lives. Jesus gives us power. I love this verse, Ephesians 1.18. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I love that, the eyes of your heart. That is such a vivid picture to me. He's saying, I need you to see this with your heart. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know that word know is not like, oh, I know it, like head knowledge. It's gnosko. It's a spiritual knowing. I pray that you would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I need you to know this power, he says, to, to not just go to heaven, but Live eternally with the power you need every day. I, I love this. He says, that power is the same mighty, look at this, this power is same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. It's about who you know. It's about who you know. If you know that Jesus, then you begin to know that power and that power doesn't just save you, it gives you power to live and be who God's called you to be. It's a power that meets you when your kid is struggling. It's a power that meets you when you're frustrated in your job. It's a power that meets you when you don't know what to do. We've learned that in all of these miracles. These miracles were holistic. It wasn't just a sickness being healed. It wasn't just the raising of Lazarus. It was more than that. We in our Western world compartmentalize it into one space, but Paul is saying, you're, you're, you're a much more dynamic being than that. There's power available. I, I remember a few years ago in my Bible study, um, a, a gentleman and I who's in my Bible study, we decided to go visit a guy who was in jail. It's in the Bible, by the way. I was in jail and you visited me. So we thought we'd do some of those Bible things and visit this guy who's in jail. And he picked me up and I don't like things in my pockets. So I don't 
know where my keys are most of the time. Um, my wallet is somewhere in my car. If you ever wanted to steal it from me, it's there. Because <laughs> I don't like things in my pockets. So my billfold was in my car, and my keys were in my car. Maybe somebody stole everything. But anyway, so I didn't know where my stuff was. So I just jumped in the car with him, and we drove to the Tarrant County Jail. We got there, and the, the, the person attending the front, I said, we're here to see so-and-so. I'm a pastor. He said, you can't come in unless you have your driver's license. So the guy I was with, he was like, dude, are you serious? What, we drove all the way down here? We're not driving all the way back to Keller from downtown Fort Worth because you can't have your... And I was like, trust me, the Lord's going to help, help me out. <laughs> so I started with, I'm a pastor. Can I see the chaplain? I went and talked to the chaplain kind of did some pastoral dialogue with the chaplain. Chaplain said, I can't help you. And I tried this and I tried that. And we were just standing there in the, in the lobby and, and it looked like no entrance allowed. But I had faith. The Lord always helps me. And I looked on the wall and there was this guy. And I was like, I know that guy. I said, can I, can I, can I talk to that guy? Well, the person running the front said, well, pastor, that's the like, sheriff who's over this whole complex. I said, yeah, let me talk to him. When he came out, he said, Pastor Jeff, how you doing? I said, hey, uh, I just need to get in to visit my friend. No problem, pastor. We're going to get you in there. All right. Now, my wife hates me telling these stories because she gets mad that I do irresponsible things and the Lord still has grace for me. But it's just the story of my life. The story of my life is it's not how good you are, it's about who you know. And I knew the head dude, and I got in. You know, I find a lot of people with Jesus, they know about the things Jesus has done. They can quote some things about, but they don't know him. Because when you know him, you can talk to him. And he will access and bring his power to your everyday life. Yeah. Here's number three. Jesus also, I love in this story, Jesus sets us free from anything that binds us. There's an element here that's, that's also in the story for a reason. And that is that when he raises Lazarus from the dead, notice he says, take those grave clothes off and set him free and let him go. So I think there's an element of some of you out there, you've never really been born again. You know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. There's others of you, if you died right now, you would go to heaven, but you're not accessing the power that's available through his spirit, through a relationship with him, to where he begins to join you in your everyday life. But I think there's even more of us who, yes, he raises us from the dead. Yes, we experience his power but we've never experienced, okay, now take off all the things that would hold you back and walk in everything God's called you to walk in. The Bible says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so part of the message of Jesus is not only bringing us from death to life, thank God for it, bringing power into our everyday life, but also the message of Jesus is you don't have to be bound 
by unforgiveness. You don't have to be bound with the besetting sins that killed your father. You don't have to have the generational patterns and things around your life that as you walk with this resurrecting Jesus, he doesn't only raise you from the dead, he says, loose them. There's a deliverance, there's a freedom. It's why we have what we call freedom here at Milestone. Hundreds of you have been through it. And I'm telling you, if you've never been through it, you should do it. Because I hear a consistent testimony. It's a small group and it's a weekend. And we get intimidated by that. We get intimidated, well, I don't know if I wanna get together with people. Is this like a therapy group? I'm gonna have to talk about what I've, no. No, everyone has some apprehension about getting together to talk about getting free. But I would say this, I hear this from every person. When they do it, they get in this journey. What you find is, is everybody's got things that they don't, they don't want, they need to get rid of, they need to, to, to be unlocked in. And I love the, the discipleship process of Jesus. The, the journeying with Jesus continually sets us free to live the life that he's intended for us to live. And I hear people say, man, I was a little apprehensive, and then they get in this group, and it's life-changing, and then they have on this weekend where you, you hear story after story, I didn't realize how unforgiveness was holding me back from everything God has for me. I'm gonna tell you, it's very possible. It's very possible to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to be headed to heaven, to, to be... And, and bound up by bitterness and unforgiveness and sexual addictions and problems and things that will stop you from what God has for your life. Many, many Christians live far short of everything that God has for them. So I love in this miracle, he says, let's lose him to let him walk in everything that he's called to walk in. I'll give you a metaphor I thought of this week. You, you can be sitting in a jail cell with the door open. He's opened the door. He's made a way, he's made the way, he's made it possible, but you can sit inside that jail cell and never walk out into the freedom that he's intended for you to walk into. I'm gonna ask if you would to stand on your feet, everybody, and I would ask you not to move around for a moment. What a miracle, what a, what a absolute mess with your natural mind miracle. This Jesus has power over death. He has power over death. I'm gonna ask everyone just to bow their heads for just a moment, and I wanna pray with somebody. I know there's somebody listening to me. You've been around this Jesus thing. You've heard about the good attributes. You might even say, I would put myself in the category of choosing Christian over the other options but you think this is about being a good person or getting better or doing better things or reading the Bible or, no, 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 no. The Bible says we are dead in our transgressions and sins. But when you surrender your life to Jesus, you're made alive. You're a new person. I ask you this question, has that happened in your life? Has that happened in your life? Have you said, I surrender all? If no one goes with me, whatever my family says, whatever anyone would say, whatever my own self would say to myself that I don't know if I can do it, you can't. He's the one that does it in you. So whatever might be a pressure on the outside, I say to you, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my whole life. You know that I've, you, you just make it your words to him. 
I, I know that I've made mistakes. I know that I have sinned. But I receive today your resurrection power. I receive you today, Jesus. I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. And you're an alive Jesus today. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. You say, how do I let you know, Pastor? You can fill out one of those communication cards. You could come forward at the front. You could grab the hand of someone around you. You could come to our Discovery 101 that we have consistently where we'll help you take steps because we wanna help you in your journey. But I want everybody right now to look up here with me and I want us, I want this to, to be something that sinks into us. So I want us to do something else here to end our service. I want us to pray over those next couple of elements for all of us. I want us to talk about here and, and, and pray about this, this idea that it's not just about going to heaven, it's not just about being translated into this place, but it's also about walking in that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So I want us to pray this together. I want us to pray it out loud together. Let's, let's do it together. This is prayer for power in our lives. If you're like, I see the enemy trying to steal, trying to kill my marriage. I see him wanting to kill my emotions, bring depression. I see things in my kid's life. We can pray for that same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead in our lives. But let's pray it together. Jesus, let's do it again a little bit better, a little bit louder. Jesus, I receive your resurrection power. I believe you give me your power so I can overcome the challenges life brings in your name and your, for your glory, amen, amen. Let's talk about freedom. Let's pray this prayer for freedom. Some of you maybe, you may have no, not told anyone, but there's, there's things there that's, that's working, just the enemy's desires to hold you back. Let's, let's pray this prayer for freedom, Jesus. Come on, all together. Jesus, I receive your freedom. Thank you for setting me free from toxic emotions, unhealthy patterns, and the attacks of the enemy so I can experience your abundant life. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray with every person listening to me right now, Lord, we thank you that we are not worshiping a religious figure, a mere moral teacher, 